Good and gracious God, we once again thank you for this day. And we thank you for this scripture in the Old and New Testament. And we pray that if there was a word or a phrase or something that stuck out to us this morning already just through hearing it read, that you would help us throughout the day to come back and visit that word or phrase and reflect on it and, and ask what you may be trying to teach us in it. And Lord, I pray in these coming moments that you would speak through me. And Lord, I pray always that you would speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to imagine um, a scenario, hypothetical scenario today. Imagine I get home from church, I walk next door, and uh, my wife Emily um, is, let's say, taking both of our kids up to visit one of her friends or her sister somewhere up north, and, you know, I just kind of got the day to myself. And I ask, as a good spouse, before you get home, is there some things that maybe um, I can do around the house or in the yard or whatever that might make you um, uh, feel less stressed when you get home, something that you can come home to that, that will help me, uh, help you? Uh, and, and she says, well, you know, it would be wonderful. Uh, there is some um, laundry in the dryer. Uh, that would be wonderful if you could fold those and put those away and uh, vacuum the house and um, uh, the chickens out back. We've got little chickens running around our backyard now. And, uh, you know, the chickens check their feed and um, make sure they've got that and maybe refill their water and um, unload the dishwasher. You know, that would, be, that would be amazing. Thank you. Like, that would be a huge, huge help. And no problem. Got it. So she leaves and goes up north. And uh, before I get started, I, you know, get into some gym shorts and a t-shirt and I'm, uh, I just sit down on the couch for a minute, you know, before I get working and um, I'm thinking, uh, hey, um, maybe I'll catch up on that movie I didn't get to finish and I do that and then I fall asleep for, you know, a good hour, hour and a half power nap. And, uh, and then it's like 4.15 or so, and it's, time's gone by, and I'm thinking, surely I've got you know, plenty of time to do this. I, uh, I run real quick and grab the clothes out of the dryer, and I put them on the bed and get ready to fold them. And, um, and then I realize, oh my gosh, it's 4.25. My, my favorite team from Washington is playing in, in Arizona today. Um, I better turn on the TV and, and just see what's going on. And, and then I sit down, and... Um, I get glued to a football game. Um, and then she walks in the door. <laughs> and she notices that um, there's clothes on the bed. Uh, the, the vacuum is out, but still got the cord wrapped around it and hasn't been used. Um, the chickens are pecking at the back door because they need food. And she realizes that I didn't do anything that I, I mean, it was my request. I asked her, is she going to be very happy with me? Probably not. But my response, of course, is um, I, I realize I fell asleep. I realize I got a little lazy. I realize I messed it up. But as we know, honey, everything happens for a reason. 
And as silly as it sounds, this, this, this must have been the will of God for me today. You know, I, I, I must have, this must have been God's will for me to, to just, for this to happen. So we really can't blame me. I mean, it's just something I think God wanted. So we just have to learn how to, how to cope with that, right? Is that answer going to fly? Um, I'm going to guess probably not. This phrase, everything happens for a reason. How many of you have heard this? Okay, some of us have said it. Some, some of us believe it. That's fine. Let's just say it together. Say it with me. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Of course, that's a, that's a little silly and, and lighthearted example um, that I give you this morning because we all know we have choices and responsibilities and, and we have a part to play in this life. And, and, and as silly as that is, there are, um, uh, coming from a Christian perspective, there are Christians who earnestly and truthfully speak in this way um, that everything happens for a reason and, or in a sense, it must have been God's will. Uh, and in response to some, and it oftentimes this statement is given in response to some pretty awful evil and some hurt and pain and suffering in the world. And that's where it can become very problematic. So today we're continuing in this series of sermons through uh, the month of September every Sunday that address uh, quotes that are often used among Christians. And uh, again, I share with you that this is uh, based off a book that came out several years ago called Half-Truths by Reverend Adam Hamilton. So uh, he goes into much more detail in, in a book that far better than I can. And I know some of you have ordered that book already and have been reading it, and, um, but, but I want to give credit to him uh, in the midst of that. But so I'm taking some of these chapters and some of these sayings and, and, and preaching based on, on these uh, popular uh, sayings that sometimes we hear in the church world and um, today, I want to I challenge us to, to reconsider using uh, this particular phrase from our vocabulary. And like I said, you may 100% agree that everything happens for a reason, and, and you would certainly join many Christians uh, around the world. And, uh, but, I, but I invite you just to, to make some space to maybe reconsider uh, another way of, of saying that uh, this morning. But of course, it's absolutely true. Everything does happen for a reason. You know, you can't refute that. That, that, that is absolutely true. But oftentimes, the reason is us. And, you know, if I go down the road um, and I get caught speeding and I get a ticket um, and I say everything happens for a reason, um, the reason is because I broke the law. Uh, that, that's the reason that that happened. If I eat a whole gallon of mint chocolate chip ice cream with crushed Oreos on top tonight uh, before I go to bed... Um, and I have a sour stomach and feel like I'm going to explode walking to the bed to go to sleep um, and say everything happens for a reason. Um, the reason is because I, I chose to be gluttonous and eat way more ice cream uh, than I should have, right? Uh, and that's why I feel sick. That's the reason. If I pet one of my cats uh, at the bottom of her spine where her tail starts, she bites me. And the reason she bites me is because she doesn't like to be pet there. And I know that. So when I say everything happens for a reason, the reason is because she doesn't like that, and that's why I got bit. And essentially what we're talking about here is cause and effect, isn't it? It's cause and effect. When we do things and make decisions, results come with those decisions. And, you know, if I truthfully were to say to Emily, when, if she were to get home in that hypothetical situation, 
everything happens for a reason, um, that's just not going to fly. And many of us would, would say back to that situation, you know, don't, don't, don't put that on God that, that you chose, that I chose to, to, to rather be lazy than do things that I said I was going to do. Uh, but that was my choice. So yes, everything does happen for a reason. But again, oftentimes that, that reason is us. And we see choices that God gives people all throughout Scripture. Adam and Eve in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, you know, uh, there, there's, God did not force them to eat uh, the forbidden fruit. God laid the ground rules. But yet it was them that chose to disobey. It was them and their choice. You think about Jonah. You know, God calls Jonah to go and, and, and share this miraculous news with a group of people and uh, he is just not down with that. So he gets in a boat and completely goes the opposite direction. And, and what happens is he gets swallowed by a fish or whale, as you know, we oftentimes learn about as kids in Sunday school and things. And um, the reason that that happened was disobedience. Uh, that, 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 is, that is the reason. Um, and, and that's what took place because Jonah knew that if he, if he shared this good news, he knew how merciful God was. He knew that God was forgiving and loving, and there was just a group of people. He didn't want to hear that good news, so he went off in, 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 in the complete opposite direction. And even in Deuteronomy, uh, in the Old Testament, we see this idea of choice. And, and this scripture uh, in Deuteronomy is part of a, uh, the first five books of the Bible um, that some call the Pentateuch or, or the Torah. And uh, you have uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, and Deuteronomy is, is one of those books that uh, is, is kind of attributed to Moses uh, preaching or so preaching four or so sermons, kind of recapping a lot of what has taken place from the Israelites coming out of uh, slavery in Egypt into the present moment where they're getting close to crossing over the Jordan and, and into the land uh, in which God has promised them. And in the midst of that, um, there's some choices that we even see in this scripture. Because in chapter 30 in Deuteronomy, we see the Israelites being told that if you love the Lord and if you walk in his ways and if you keep his commandments, then they will live, they will thrive, and they will be blessed. But that's their choice if they want to walk in the ways of the Lord. But if they choose not to, and if they choose not to do that, and if they choose that for their hearts to turn away and they refuse to listen then that's going to eventually lead to death. And all throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New, we see that choice is given to people to respond and to live their life to honor God or to not honor God. And we still have that choice today, daily as people, as Christians, as followers of Christ. So even whether we are uh, here today, whether you would consider yourself a Christian or not, uh, most people understand that fundamentally our choices and our decisions often lead to reasons why certain things end up happening in life. And that's not to say that God doesn't orchestrate uh, divine moments uh, in our lives, because surely many of us have maybe had an experience where we didn't plan on being somewhere one day, and, and all of a sudden we, we ended up there, and, and then we ran into somebody, and that person just spoke so much truth to us, and, and you just leave thinking, oh my gosh, like, there was a reason that that happened. There was a reason I was there at that moment and that time to see that person or to, to experience that in that moment. There was a reason. That's not what I'm talking about because 
because those things do happen. There are those moments. I have many in my own life where, where I know that, that certain things happened and it had led me to a place in my faith uh, to grow. And I thought, wow, that, that moment happened for a reason in my life. And um, that's not what I'm discussing. That's different. What, what we're talking about today is when Christians say everything happened for a reason. Everything happens for a reason is usually said in a different context. And that context usually, at least from my own limited experience, is usually said to bring comfort to someone who has gone through a loss in their life or is going through a difficult tragedy. And in other words, um, that statement is used because maybe we don't know what else to say or maybe it's just something we feel like we have to say to justify suffering in the world. So when we say everything happens for a reason, to someone who is suffering for whatever reason, they may hear that statement um, in a way that typically maybe it, we're not meaning it in cause and effect when we say it. Oftentimes when Christians say that, it's another word saying God's got a plan. That there's a reason God wanted this to happen. There's a, there's a reason that you are going through, through this in this way. There's a reason that that, that, that took place. And it isn't so much about cause and effect, but it's more about how that statement, everything happens for a reason, for someone who's gone through such horrific tragedies in their life, ends up making God culpable for a lot of evil in the world. Because if everything happens for a reason, and if God is that reason, then we end up sometimes painting a portrait of God that looks nothing like Jesus. Consider this. Domestic abuse, rape, child abuse, slavery, murder, mass shootings. Are we prepared as Christians to look at people in the eyes who have been affected by those kind of evils and say, everything happens for a reason? It must have been part of God's will. I can tell you, if, if, if I've said this before to people, I may have in my life, I'm, I'm not saying this to people. I'm not going to look at someone who walked in my office who has gone through complete tragedy and say, you know, everything happens for a reason. What does that tell them about God? There are certainly reasons why these things happen, but those reasons simply cannot be God. A reason a lot of these things happen are because of evil decisions that other people make and the freedom that they have and the freedom that they have to make those decisions. And you know, in the Wesleyan tradition, coming from the teachings of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement that we call the United Methodist Church today that you're a part of, we believe that, that free will is a gift from God. It's a gift that God gives to us that we can use for good or we can use in a way that misuses it for evil and selfish purposes. Now, there are some traditions in the church that do not believe in free will, and they rather believe, um, you know, they, they, they use the language that, that puts God completely in control of every single thing that happens in life and every single decision that we make. And that's something you may believe here today, and I'm not here to change your mind on that at all, but, it, but it's just not something taught in our tradition because it makes God seem like a puppet master and that we're just people on strings that God is just using however God wants. But, but we believe that God gives us choice. Do you all remember back in July that horrific 
tragic, tragic um, accident that took place on Route 1 with that family. I think it was even mentioned here during the prayer request, if I remember correctly, where a family from New Jersey was traveling back from the beach um, and somewhere near Smyrna in Middletown, Newcastle County, um, somebody crossed the, the median and, and hit their van head on and uh, instantly killed the father and four daughters. Uh, and then the mother uh, survived. Can you imagine being a mother? And I don't know what her situation was, if she woke up in the hospital or what took place, but to learn that your husband, that your 20-year-old daughter, your 17-year-old daughter, and your 13-year-old twin daughters are dead. And it's just you. And in a second, she loses everything. I cannot fathom or imagine what that looks like. And can you imagine someone, as she tries to figure out what even life looks like in this moment, seeking spiritual counsel, reaching out to a church or a pastor or a priest or whatever, and for someone to tell her everything happened for a reason. It must have been the will of God. And again, this makes God, this, this makes God out to be a God who causes tragedies for certain reasons. It's like being at a funeral where, where someone says, well, maybe the reason that this person died was so that many of you could be saved today who came to the funeral. Or like saying, God just must have needed another angel. Or God only takes the good ones. It just doesn't work. It falls apart. And we've got to get past that. And there, there are natural things that even happen uh, in this world that we can't explain that maybe some of you are thinking about now. You think about natural disasters. You think about how hurricanes and tornadoes and, and, and blizzards and all sorts of things take the lives of people. And, and that's, not, that's not people making evil decisions to kill other people. That's, that, that's, that's just something that's, that's part of the world that we live in, you know? And, you know, sometimes people get struck by lightning or, or die in tornadoes or hurricanes. And sometimes people have massive heart attacks and don't survive. Or sometimes people are diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, God has, has really um, given so many gifts to some brilliant minds in the world who can uh, explain why hurricanes happen and explain why tornadoes happen and talk about uh, why uh, Sometimes uh, the heart uh, gives up, or sometimes um, some of you may have had moments where you've gone to a doctor and they've said, um, we've got to put a stent in or something because you're very close to having a heart attack. And, and we praise God for, for that ability for doctors to even catch that. Or, um, and, and there's lots of reasons that these things happen uh, in the world, and it's just part of the world in which we live in where these things do happen, but that doesn't mean that God is causing them, that, that God is making them happen uh, in a particular way. So one of the things I want to challenge us today is this, is to say, yes, everything does happen for a reason, but a new way uh, that I invite you to consider is this. Everything happens for a reason, but that doesn't mean the reason is God. That doesn't mean necessarily that that reason is God. Sometimes the reason's you, 
Sometimes the reason's me. Sometimes the reason is because of someone else's decision, or sometimes the reason is because of natural things that just happen in our world that are out of control. But God, however, who is love, who is in the business of bringing brokenness back to healing, is the one who is making the world whole again. As 2 Corinthians reminds us that Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. God may have not caused the hurt and the pain in your life, but God can redeem it. As Romans 8.28 says, as I read earlier, we, we all, uh, we know that in all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And this happens in all sorts of ways in our lives today, and we see it. We see former drug addicts and alcoholics who, who are now sober, who are using that part of their life to help others who are currently addicts and going through those situations. And, and, and they went through that rough stage in their life but now God has redeemed that and is using them to bring healing to others who are also going through that. Or some, sometimes you might see a spouse who went through the, um, just went through the troubling and, and agonizing season of losing um, their spouse to Alzheimer. And now they are advocates for families who are also going through struggles where a spouse may be losing a loved one to Alzheimer's. And God is using them to step in uh, to that space and to be a peaceful presence for them. Someone who has walked through it already. God has redeemed some of their pain and suffering and is now using it for good. Or someone who made bad choices as a young adult and spent several years in jail. Now God is, is, has redeemed that and is using that person to speak to teenagers all over the place in hopes um, that, that they get off the track that that they were on because it might lead them to jail as well. And, and God is using that person to change lives. Or I think about even Paul in scripture, the apostle Paul, who was zealous and who was on mission and thought he was standing up for God by persecuting the early church. And then he meets, meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and is blinded and by the light. And, and then he absolutely still becomes zealous and on mission, but God uses that in a different way, and he becomes zealous and on mission to preach the resurrected Christ to, to not just Jews, but the Gentile people. And although, um, you know, I, I also think about uh, this summer, um, how my nephew Benjamin uh, died um, just after just a couple, three months or so of life. And, you know, I, I personally believe that um, God... God did not cause the death of my nephew, and God is not the reason that he died. And I know there, for me, there's some emotional um, uh, investment into this. So completely, um, I invite you to completely, just totally disagree with, with me on this if you'd like, because like I said, some Christians would disagree um, and would think that, that there was a reason that he had to die at that young of an age. And and it doesn't make them bad people or unloving people, but that's just genuinely what some Christians believe. But, but for me personally, that's, that's not what I choose to believe, and that's not who I feel God is, because um, a God that would, that would kill a child such as innocent and loving as, as uh, Benjamin, again, paints a, a portrait of a picture of a God who doesn't look like Jesus. And Jesus is the image of the invisible God 
as Colossians teaches, teaches us. So the reason that he died, uh, quite simply, for me, is because he was born with a condition where a lot of the things in his stomach were pushed into his chest, and they knew very early on that it was going to be a rough ride. And he was very heavily medicated um, the entire time. Um, as my wife put it one day after he died, he, he just had a life of suffering. That's all he did. It was just lay on that table and suffer. And he never got to be held by his parents in a way that a child deserves to be held by their parents. It, it's just heartbreaking. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. But yet, it's something that happened. And although I don't believe calls, God calls the death of my nephew or that God calls the suffering of my family, in particular, my brother and his wife and their son who had to go through that. I still believe that God can redeem this suffering and that God can eventually, even though we may not be able to see it now, can use it for good. And you know, my sister-in-law, um, Benjamin's mother, um, every now and then, you know, we'll text back and forth. How's it going? How are, you, how are you making out? You know, just checking in. And recently she sent me a text message on how they were doing. And uh, with her permission, um, I want to read to you part of what she said to me recently um, in a text message. She said, we're doing, we're doing okay. Actually better than I, than I thought. Uh, and I believe that it's because we have been strengthened by prayers and comforted by the incredible people in our lives. I prayed a miracle for Benjamin, but maybe the best way for me to see God in all of this is through the outpouring of love and support that we have received, and going through all of this has made me realize at a deeper level how lucky I am to have my family. You know, she's, she's not blaming God here. She's not saying that this happened for a reason, and uh, you know, which blaming God is that's a natural human response, you know, when things like this happen. How could we not want to at least go there? But she's not going there. And I was telling her this week, I was telling her, you know, this week I'm doing a sermon called Everything Happens for a Reason, you know, and is that true? And, um, you know, I told her what I thought about it and how I don't believe everything happens for a reason in the sense that um, it's attributed to God always. And, um, and she responded, um, and she said, I also don't believe that everything happens for a reason. I think that while some people may seem to get through life unscathed, while others experience tragedies, it's all the good and the bad part of the human experience. And I believe that God can indeed redeem those tragedies for good purposes. And while I wish what happened to Benjamin, to us, never happened, I also feel like in some ways I have been given a gift and that it has been a transformative time in my life. I thought, wow. For a mother to say that, it seems that God is already beginning to work a tragedy in, that happened in her life and in the life of my brother that could potentially be used to be a blessing to others down the road. So maybe the question is, how can I comfort people? How can I comfort people when they go through tragedies like this or are experiencing hardship or, um, you know, are experiencing physical abuse or whatever it is? Like, what, what do I say to them? 
You know, how can I, how can I be there for them? Because oftentimes that is what I go to, you know, everything happens for a reason. We just don't know that reason now. And we just got to trust God. Like, what else can I say? You know, I think of Job in the Old Testament, how he um, lost everything, you know, was stripped of everything. And some of his friends, before they gave him them really bad um, counseling advice uh, of saying, well, you must have done something wrong for this to happen, you know. Um, but what they do in the beginning is beautiful. They just go and they sit with their friend in the dust. And they don't even talk. They just sit there for days and days. And they don't even say a word. They're just present. So that's what I would encourage you to do. Just learn to sit with people in the dust. Just be with people. And in, instead of saying everything happens for a reason, you might just say something like, I honestly have no words for you, but I'm here. And I can't imagine what you're going through, but I'm going to be present with you. I'm going to sit here with you. I'm going to bring you food. I'm going to take you for rides, whatever you need. I'm going to be present. And I believe that God also is present with you in your suffering and that God has not caused this, but God is right here with you. That might be a way you approach it. And whatever, wherever you may be today on life's journey, whatever it is that maybe you are holding on to in your own life or whatever you have blamed God for in the past or, or maybe even blaming God for now, it comes from an honest plea. But I encourage you to remember that God is with you and that God mourns with you for the pain and the hurt that you've experienced. And all those suffering is part of the Christian journey. And we do grow through suffering. None of us want it, but, but we do grow through it. That doesn't mean that God is causing it. God is present with us in it. And that's completely different. And everything does happen for a reason, but that doesn't mean the reason is God. And through it all, with God's presence with us, in the end, we know ultimately because of the resurrection that love wins. And that no matter what happens on this earth, no matter the unexplainable things, the hurt and the pain, we know ultimately that there is a hope everlasting. We know ultimately that death is never the last thing and that we will experience a bodily resurrection one day just like Christ did and live forever. So never forget that in Christ, God is redeeming the whole world back to God's very own self. And to that, I once again say praise be to God and thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray.